Uh, I'm so excited about where we're at as far as a church and uh, here at Central, and, and I'm excited about this, um, this revealing here of our vision statements and, and the things that are taking place. It's so important for us to realize what God is actually doing when we talk about vision, and and, uh, and the Bible says, and I'm going to get right into my notes, if you would get to my message notes, please. If you go to that, there we go. Get all those up, there we go. So we're talking about being a, a real people, real God, real difference. And I, I think I, I've been talking to some people about really, you know, what this says to them or what it speaks to them. And it needs explanation because you're just like, okay, so what does that say? What we're talking about is creating a culture and an environment where people can be real, where they can experience the real God and we can make a real difference. Now, I don't want to get into the other messages all, all, all together as far as real, real God and real difference, but I want to let you know that many times we go through action steps or motions and we don't really see results. We want to see results today. How many of you want to do what you do and see results? Amen? And uh, so that, that, that's what this is about. So we are real people serving a real God, making a real difference. Go ahead, and if you would, please. And, and so we talked about real vision. And then, uh, and then the scripture verse I gave to you is a familiar passage of scripture. And it's there in Proverbs 29, 18. It says, where there is no vision, and we said no redemptive revelation of God. How has God revealed himself to us? Just a quiz, all right? We're going to have another one in a few minutes. He's revealed himself to us by Jesus Christ coming here, incarnate, the Son of God, offering himself as a sacrificial lamb for us. That's the redemptive revelation of God. But without that vision, people perish. Without the realization, but he who keeps the law of God, and which includes that of man, blessed or blessed, Say happy, happy. fortunate, happy. <laughs> I'm saying, and enviable. Enviable, yeah. Well, well, you mean, yeah, where someone would look at your life and say, I want what they've got. Isn't that, wasn't that be cool, you know, that you're living at such a level that, that people say, my goodness, I just see the peace, I see the joy, I see the contentment, I see, I mean, all of those things. How do you do that? Why do you have that? you're able to say because of the redemptive revelation of Jesus Christ in my life. And so we're really wanting to make that part of what we're doing. So uh, the next slide, if you would, please. So we talked about a real people last week. I gave you real issues. And, you know, some people said, Pastor, you kind of really meandered around there. You kind of got into some, some messy stuff. How many of you know that in order to have love be demonstrated that you've got to kind of be desiring or at least it re, um, have the desire to get involved in the mess of some things? Has love ever got messy for any of you guys? Why is it messy? Because it's unconditional. Because it keeps no record of wrongs even though a wrong is done. Because it's kind and compassionate when other people are not that way to you. Because it is the point where he says, you know what? I want to do unto others as I want them to do unto me, not as I do unto them. All right? That's love. And you know what? That's tough. Does, it, does that grate against any of you? Does that kind of go against you in the wrong way, you know, against the grain? It does for me at times. 
So we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us here today to be able to understand what being a real person is. And we're going to put some real faces with some real issues. All right. But you're going to see how those real faces and the things they have to go through in order to be a real people. And so I'm excited about today. So bow your heads with me. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to to break the bread of life here today, to be able to talk about your plan for our church to talk about us creating a culture and an environment whereby people want to be here, whereby individuals will come to know Christ in an unprecedented way. I mean, they'll be so on fire for you, Lord, that there'll be no stopping them. Regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the situations, we give you praise and glory. Give us revelation, I pray, in Jesus' name. Let all God's people say amen, amen. So today, still continuing on with real people, but real people have these things that are called test. Anyone ever been tested before? Real test, all right? And, and we're going to talk about that. They also, after a test, you have a real story. Go ahead with the next slide, if you would, please. See, last week I talked about this. I said there is a plan for wholeness and even though we have a plan for it, it does not mean a lack of acknowledgement of real issues. It doesn't mean that we bury our head in the sand and say, well, God's, God's got this and there's really nothing else that we can do. And listen, I'm, I'm all about God's got this, all right? But God's got this and he empowers us by his spirit to become people of action. He empowers us to be able to become people who will get involved in other people's lives and to be able to hold their hands, be able to lift them up and be able to 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 just steer them through some of the 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 turmoil that happens in our lives. So to be real people means that we will not bury our heads in the sand. We will acknowledge the real issues. And we also also said this last week. Next slide, please. We said our responses to life issues must be intentional. We can't just say, well, whatever's going to be is going to be. That's life happening to you. You're supposed to go ahead and dictate the things that's going to happen, all right? You get to speak those things in existence as if they were, all right? Call the things that are not and make them so. You, you're the one who gets to set your mind on and your eyes on things above, on the author and the perfect of our faith. But we've got to be intentional about it. Another place in the Scripture says, make every effort, so there's something about us doing our part and being intentional, right? The, the third thing was this. Go ahead, if you would. We've got to get people to Jesus, right? He is the real answer. He is the one who will set people free. And so I want you to draw your attention to Matthew chapter 16. It's a pretty famous passage of Scripture. And I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version because it's just so powerful to see uh, what the Lord was, was speaking. And, and, uh, and I love the, the way in which it's, it's drawn out and some of the, the ways in which the explanations are given. So it's going to be there on, your, on the screen for you, all right? Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. You brought that up if you would, please. Thanks. Now, um, now, when Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? What's going on here? There is a test. There is a pop quiz. They're just going about, experiencing life, and all of a sudden Jesus, without any warning, says, oh, by the way, who do people say that I am? And they have an answer. Oh, oh, oh I know, I know, I know. 
And they say, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, look at this now, but who do you? Now I'm going to do something. It's probably not properly, you know, etiquette, all right, whatever like that. But just go ahead and look at your neighbor and just point your finger or your hand at them and say, but how about you? Who do you say that he is? Just go ahead. Who do you say that he is? Feel the pressure. Who do you say that he is? Who do they say he is, but who do you say he is? Because it doesn't matter what other people think in order for you to live your life. It matters what you think, what you experience, and what you encounter when you live your life, right? We can't live by what other people think. So he says, who do you say? It is the test, right? Look there. Look with me. He says this. He says, who do you say that I am? Go ahead. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. There we go. It is the real test. Real people. Real test. I don't know what test that you're going through. I don't know what's been happening in your life. But I can promise you the Lord does not let a day go by idle, that he is not trying to work all things together for your good. Let me say, let me be very clear. Everything that happens in your life is not because God has ordained it. Sometimes it happens because of the choices that you've made. The test is how you will respond once you have a revelation of the redemptive power of God and how you respond to that. You see, some people respond in arrogance. Some people respond by being more bullheaded. You know what I'm saying? When you know that you're wrong, but guess what? You are not going to admit it. You're going to keep to your, your, your story whether it's, it's right or wrong. Well, listen, that's a test that's going on right there for you. Real people will experience real tests, and you have to be able to pass the test. You have to be able to say like Peter. The next slide says, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He knew who he was. And then Jesus answered him and said, blessed. Or what's this? Happy, fortunate, and to be envied are you. That bless is the same thing that was given to us, that what happens when people have a vision, that they will be what? They will be blessed. They will be happy, fortunate, and enviable. Here he says, listen, I want you to understand what it means for you to experience something that will be different than what the rest of the world is experiencing. It's not even going to be commonplace. The type of life that he's calling us to live is not status quo type of living. It's the blessed life. I, I know we, we, we say bless you for all kinds of things, you know, and people sneeze and we say bless you, right? <laughs> I don't know if you know the backdrop of that. I'm not going to give it to you now. But, you know, it's interesting. Look that up and see how that first came about, all right? <laughs> See, I want to bless in a different way. When I say bless you, I want to have in mind an intention that says, I am praying that the, that the extra supernatural power of God to be made manifest in your life, that there is an interaction, that there is almost a collision that's taking place that causes for you to realize something that you couldn't realize before as a result of possibly the test that you're going through. The test. 
But the test is, who do you say that I am? And he says, you got it. You understand it. And he says, I tell you, you are Peter. In the Greek, that means Petros, a large piece of rock. And on this rock, this Petra, a huge rock, like a Gibraltar, he says, you know, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, which are the powers of the infernal region. Shall not overpower or be strong to its detriment or hold out against it. How many of you know that the enemy is coming hard after you? Little old me? Why is he concerned about me? He's concerned about every single. He wants to so distort the truth of God in, in, in your life. He wants you to, to never get on the winning team. He never wants you to get on the winning, the winning side, all right? He is coming hard after your faith. And the longer you just reject it and say, well, it's not really that big. I'm not really that important and such. Then you set yourself up to be an easy target. Now, there's a difference. I'm not talking to you about walking around in fear. I'm not talking to you about walking along and looking for a demon around every corner and, and watching out because they can jump on you. I'm not talking about that you're afraid because you're in the presence of some evil. Listen, greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. I want to tell you something, that you serve an awesome God. You serve someone who has given you great power. And when the enemy comes against you, he said, be, re be ready to give a reason for the hope that's within you. Now, listen, there's some reason for some people to be a little bit scared, a little bit gun shy, but it's only because they haven't prepared themselves. They're not ready for the quiz. They're not ready for the test. They're not ready to answer the question. Who do people say that I am? Well, I heard some people say that I thought you were Elijah. I heard some people thought that you were John the Baptist. I heard some people think some other things. But, but okay, well, but what about you? Who do you think that I am? And one person says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. You have passed the test. He said, because you passed the test, upon your realization, upon your proclamation, upon this very right and good news, I want you to understand that the gates of hell will not prevail against you. As long as you, the church, will continue to lift up the cross, as long as you will lift up Jesus, as long as you will glorify him with your lives, as long as you will say, not my way, but your way, Lord, then something begins to happen. Oh, the devil's going to come against you. The devil's going to try to take your faith. He's going to try to beat you down. But listen, God, by the through Jesus says this. He says, I will give you the keys. Look at that verse number 19 of the kingdom. And whatever you bind, whatever you declare to be improper and unlawful, that's the definition of that. On earth must be what is already bound in heaven, and whatever you loose or declare lawful on earth must be what is already loosed in heaven heaven okay there's some people who go around and they just kind of do this without any forethought in it they think that they they can just go ahead and then tell this demon in this particular region this particular area and stuff like that to kind of be gone and such like that you have been given authority all right but the authority is for the area and the region to which God has given you an assignment. Now, he told us, first of all, he says, listen, I want you to go into where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. We have to make sure that we are using the authority that God has given to us in our most immediate surrounding. For the light that shines the farthest is the light that shines the brightest at home. 
Hello, let me say that again. For the light that shines the farthest, the light that will reach around the world is the light that shines the brightest at home. I'm talking about in your homes, there's probably warfare that's going on. Now, remember, I said last week, your struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against your kids. Kids, it's not young people. It's not against your parents. Husbands and wives, it's not against your spouses. It's not against your neighbor. It is against the forces of darkness. It's trying to distract you and detour you and get your mind off of the things that will glorify God. Amen? But here is the opportunity that we have that you have been given authority and you take and you begin to bind those things that try to exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Those thoughts that try to come and you cast them down in Jesus' name. I'm going to give you a little bit of the stuff that was going on in the beginning and then what actually began to happen. You see, in, 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 as God talked about the, the revelation of what things was going to take place, we should go to Revelation, right? So Revelation chapter 12, we find an occasion. I want to bring a connection for you about Jesus who was speaking about something that was to come, all right, and then something that actually was happening, something that's happening in the now. And in Revelation chapter 12, we understand it to be something, uh, talking about some things that are yet to come, but it also talks about some things that have already taken place. And in Revelation chapter 12, we see here this, this awesome uh, warfare that's taking place and that's happening. And I, and I want you to get your mind around this, all right? I, I'm going to read it here just from the screen with you, if you would. Revelation chapter 12, and there was war in heaven. There's war in heaven? Yeah, there's war in heaven. Remember where the principalities, the powers, and rulers in high places are? And Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. <laughs> this is good news. Like What? doesn't say woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth a little bit later on. Yeah, it does. But it also speaks of what was happening, overcome. And this is a particular area in Scripture that not only is something that happened in the heavenly realms, but is a picture of the church and the power that we have in Christ because of Christ. And he says here, there was this war that was going on. There's a war that's going on. I'm telling you, church, the sooner you realize it, the more you'll want to be equipped because no one wants to get beaten. No one wants to get whipped, but yet because we're not to go, called to arms, because we're not really taking up arms, because we're waiting for someone else to fight the battle, because we're not taking it seriously, then the enemy is wreaking havoc in our lives and stealing the very things that God has promised to give to us. So here, next slide if you would please. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God. Here is the thing that happened in the past, right? He's speaking about a future thing, but this is a, but it's also something that's already happened. The revelation, the redemptive story of, G of Jesus coming here. He says, now come the salvation of power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. He's been hurled down. Look and say to your neighbor, he's been thrown down. He's been thrown down. He shouldn't have the authority in our lives, all right? Go ahead, if you would, please. And they overcame him by the what? The blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. I'm going to wrap this up because I want to get to my panel here. I want you to come on up here. If you're on my panel, you know who you are. Just go ahead and find a seat up here, please. And um, uh, we're, we're just going to hear some stories. 
of some people who have walked and have been tested. And after the test, I'm calling it life after the issue, all right? Life after the test. Life after it looked like, you know what, things were really getting crazy and out of control. But guess what? When, when you look to the Lord, when you call upon him, when you recognize, right, that they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb, when you have the revelation, when you have the vision, then you understand that the, the redemptive story of what Christ accomplished because of the blood of the lamb, then the testing is going to come but guess what when you pass the test you overcome because of the word of your testimony amen the blood of Jesus is the is the, is what cancels the authority of the enemy's ability in you but you coming through the test and being able to say to God be the glory is what seals it all down for you amen and it can't happen someone else can't have that happen for you it has to happen for you. Who do you say I am in the midst of this test? Who do you say I am in the midst of this trial? Who, you know what? You, you, you wonder, where is God? Well, as I said, sometimes we find ourselves in situations that we brought on ourselves. It doesn't mean it's still not a test to see how you will respond. And it's an opportunity for God to change things. For good for you. We're missing one person. Who are we missing here? Napoleon. Where's he at? Someone find him, if you would, please. There we go. You know, um, I want to move this. Let's uh, grab a couple of these extra minutes here. Grab that one there. There we go. That's all we need. There he is. I just wanted to take a moment and help you to see and understand the issues that we're talking about. And there are, there are many more issues than will be represented by the people here. They're looking at me like, am I an issue? <laughs> We've had an issue. We've had some tests. The people who are here today are right now on, on the other side of some of those tests. And I believe that right now every single one of them are claiming and saying to God be the glory. <laughs> but it hasn't come without challenge. The enemy has come and he's tried to break them down. But praise be to God, that enemy has been hurled down. Amen. And they overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. The result of their test. And. It's messy. Look at your neighbor and say again with me, life is messy. <laughs> yeah, it is. So Pastor Ann is here today, and uh, she had some events that took place in her life. And, uh, and it kind of took her down a different path and looked like things was going to be completely different than what her parents thought it was going to be, you know, for her. And, and uh, Ann, why don't you tell us, share your issue but by the way, I, I just you do need to commend these people for being willing to be transparent. Amen. Can you do that? Uh, so the issue that I'm going to talk about today, because, you know, there's more than one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when I was 15, 
I was pregnant and not married. And so that was uh, a big issue uh, for me. And what made it probably a big issue for me was that it was an obvious thing. It wasn't something that you could hide. I grew up in church here. My mom and dad were married here. And so there was a lot of, um, it was very sad that I had messed up so big and disappointed so many people. But um, the, the real side of my issue is that God is faithful. Amen. Forgiveness is real. And my church family was my, um, they really showed God's love to me, even when they didn't understand why I would do such a thing. Amen. Amen. So there's some things in which the church has responded well in throughout the years. There's some things that we need to reemphasize and to get ready for. But I can tell you there's been some times and some stories that I've heard in church worlds, in environments, and cultures where that love that Ann speaks of has not been there. Instead, there was individuals who cast shame and condemnation and such. And I'm just telling you that I want to be a pastor of a church where there's real people who've got real issues, who's going to be tested. And the thing was is that Ann's mom sits next to her, and we wasn't really talking about this, but but there's probably some testing that came to you as a result of that. Can can you speak to that for a moment? What what was what was happening for you as a mom, you know, as going through that? Maybe. Well, your heart breaks, mm-hmm. and um, big decisions, decisions that um, not only are going to affect you, but there's a child. Mm-hmm. There's another life. So um, that's really hard. But like Ann said. It's wonderful to be part of a family that lets you be real, and they're real back to you, and they support you, and they pray for you, and um, instead of condemnation, you find help. Amen, amen. Say this with me. Say, they overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Amen. Joanne. We are so pleased to have you here worshiping with us and part of our family. This is Joanne Moore, and uh, she's going to address an issue that is just beyond comprehension with regards to what people would experience on a regular basis. And But it's going to happen to somebody else, Joanne, in one way or another, and they need to know how to stand up underneath the test. They need to know they have the answer. Joanne, can you tell us about your experience and what I'm talking about? Yes, sir. On July the 10th, 2010, I had an experience that's unthinkable because we as parents, we believe, we want to believe that we'll outlive our children. But on July the 10th, 2010, I remember it was on a Saturday morning and um, we got news that um, our 45-year-old son um, had passed away. And of course, it's, it's hard to wrap your mind um, around that type of news. So my first, uh, my husband didn't know exactly the words, so he just kind of embraced me. And my next thing was, I just fell to the floor, kicking and screaming. Just as I was down there on the floor screaming, I thought about what the Bible has said. It said, 
In all things, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us. And he picked me up off that floor, and by his grace and his mercy, I've been up on my feet ever since. Ever since that day. It's, it's like, it, it was like supernatural, because the people that came to us, some people told me they were afraid to come because they didn't know, you know, what my state of mind was since this was my only child and we really had a close relationship. But as the people came, the Lord blessed me to minister to them. I was consoling them. How Even the time when I had to go and identify positively that this is my son, the Lord gave me the strength to go where they had them laying and just kneel down to the floor and just pray and just give thanks. And to this day, to me, I still don't understand, even though the word says that the Lord would give you that peace that surpasses all understanding. And I could say, and I could give God the glory that I do have that peace. I have that peace. And he's just enabled me to be able to walk alongside someone else that's suffering in that same type of pain. It's to God be the glory. Amen. Amen. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, they overcome. Chris, you're uh, new to us but old to us. And uh, is it four weeks now or so that you've been worshiping? About eight weeks now. It was yeah. even more time there. Fantastic. <laughs> but Chris is a return. And Chris reminded me when he came and such that when I was a youth pastor here, he helped me build my house. <laughs> and uh, what a, a blessed time it was. And I remember that. And But after that time, some things started to go astray for you, Chris. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened? Um, I ended up doing 10 years in prison. I uh, stole cars and ran from the police and got out. You know, pretty angry, but uh, here we are. I'm here now, mm -hmm. as of eight weeks ago. Took a couple weeks off for work and being sick. My boss wanted me to come into work probably four weeks ago, and I said no. And we came to church, and then we decided to start our own business, and everything's been looking up since we started coming to church. Fantastic. So do you think that... Uh, some of those early deposits of, of faith for you. Mm -hmm. um, did you have an experience with God also in prison? I mean, I, I, we haven't even talked mm -hmm. about that. What Not really. Not really? I just, you know, did my time, stayed out of everybody's way. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is a fresh, even revelation for you, a renewal yeah. of what you experienced from your youth. And I mean, it, w w you, do you feel the test? Yes. Do you feel like you could answer the question, who do you say that I am? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Say it with me. They overcame, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, the of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The You're an overcomer, Chris. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Come on. Yeah. Hallelujah. Napoleon is uh, here today. And Napoleon, it's uh, been how many months now? I mean, it's been a while. Since you came here and got baptized, like right away, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, almost a year. Yeah, almost, almost a year. year. Yeah, almost be a year, a year ago. Well, um, 
I started coming back here just before I moved in my apartment. I yeah, moved sure. My apartment almost two years. So, so yeah. Napoleon has, uh, you know, came to us, and right away he he had meandered around and in his faith and and mama, wh- what mamas out there we got that's praying for their kids? Come on, lift your hand if you're praying for those kids. Amen. Yeah, and uh, had an experience. He 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 made some choices, and uh, some of those choices involved drugs. But even in the last year, you've had some challenges, too, yeah. not just with the drugs, but with another issue that you and I talked about, yeah. what we'll hit on. Yeah. So go ahead. Tell us about... Uh, when well, you um, it really, in the, the last year, the later part of 2017, um, I started running into some extreme health problems. And um, when that happens, the first thing you do is you don't want to be pitied by people. And you have all these problems and things running through your mind. And the first thing you want to do is to just make it all go away. You don't want it to solve it. You just want it to go away. So what's a, what's the the quick but not a fix? Is you start doing drugs, and then then you you feel ashamed because now you look at yourself. You oh I'm an addict. So then you don't want to talk to anybody, and you isolate yourself, which really just lights you up in a dark room for for the, for the devil to get you. And then you're you're asking God to help you. And you may not be able to see the help that he's given. And, and that's, where, that's where my biggest problem was. Is I was screaming for help, but I was so wrapped up in the storm that was going on in my life, I couldn't see the help that was sent. So I assumed that God had just totally forsaken me. Then mm. I'm screaming at a brick wall and nothing's happening. So obviously the devil's like, well, he must not be real. And and that's what and that sank in. You got the depression of all the health problems, the drugs, and then you got this guy on your shoulder saying, Well, God ain't real. Look what's going on in your life. Look how your life is doing. You didn't do anything wrong. And all of the stuff just kinda happened to you. But he's supposed to love you. So you hear that long enough, eventually you fully begin to believe it. And me, I'm a very vocal person. <laughs> And there, there's probably quite a few guys that were in the mission with me. I was very, very vocal about my opinion of whether or not God exists and what what I thought about him and Jesus and everybody. The minute you said anything about God, I was jumping in your mouth. I was not going to just let you come in here while I'm suffering and tell me about this guy that's supposed to love me and care about me and all of this other stuff. And... You know, for the longest time, I'm just sitting there and I'm angry. And that's just really what it was, is I was deeply angry and hurt. And I was angry with God. And I'm, asked, I'm still asking for help, even though the whole time I'm like, God don't exist. <laughs> I'm just like, God don't exist. But I'm still asking him for help. And I'm still asking for help. And he still sent it. And I'm sitting in the building where the help came. You know, I was in, in, in these pews, in the rows, angry mumbling things under my voice while pastor was preaching. <laughs> Anything, oh, I was angry and doing the things that humans do when they're angry. But still, the body of this, the, of this church still came through. You know, on days where, you know, the money was, there just wasn't enough money left at the end of the month. You know, no food. I Really, tell you the truth, if it wasn't for this church, I wouldn't be breathing, let alone sitting up here. So, you know, if, if you're sitting there wondering, hey, is God real? You know, if I ask, will the help come? It may not come in a way that you 
want it to, but it does come. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And Napoleon overcome by what? The blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony. Amen. Pat, you're up here also um, because another event that we really don't look forward to happened to you and uh, it had to do with a sickness. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And sure. It's um, in 2016, uh, late 2016, I was diagnosed with cancer and it's scary when there's no family history and, you know, no reason, it's a shock. And so you hear that word, and um, first of all, you're afraid, and then you ask, why, God, why did this happen? But I didn't dwell on that very long because I firmly believe, you know, I know who the Lord is, and I knew that God could heal me. I didn't know if he would, but I asked, fully believing he could, but I also knew that if he didn't heal me, he would help me. And how he helped me was through this body. It was a real issue, and the real people that stepped forward and helped me, I particularly remember getting um, simple things. A letter one day when my hair fell out, and I looked horrible. You know, the, the chemo and everything, you just feel ugly. I mean, you feel really ugly. And I got a letter from a friend that just said, you're still the same person. You know, we still see you as the same person. The people that, um, I'm sorry if I'm emotional, the people that sent meals, the people that just give you a hug, the people that um, when you're too sick to pray for yourself, you know they're praying. They call you up and just say, I'm thinking of you today. I'm praying for you today. So don't ever think that you can't make a difference because you don't know what to do. Just say an encouraging word. Just tell them you're praying for them. And also, one of the things that ministered the most to me is I have immediate family, wonderful children who were there. But there were people who stepped up and supported my children. They came to the hospital to sit with them while they were waiting for me. And before this happened, I used to think when somebody had a problem, oh, you know, they've got family to help them. But sometimes the family needs help and support. And just, I grew, you know, I've known the Lord since I was a senior in high school, and I knew the word of God. But to have somebody remind you that you can trust him, that he'll help you through it. And so, I also had a friend that said, you know, instead of saying, why me, Lord, why don't we say, why not me, Lord? We live in a fallen world. Things are going to happen to us that we don't expect or want. But God is there, and we as his body can make a real difference in real ways. And I, so I appreciate this service, and I appreciate the simple things that we can do to help one another get through it. And if it hadn't been for growing up in a church, and learning that and then having people that helped me walk through it, you know, I probably would have turned my back on the Lord, but he's faithful and he helps every day. And ask yourself if you're facing a challenge, Lord, what do you want me to learn through this? If you're not going to take me out of it, 
helped me to learn the lesson and pass the test. Mm -hmm. Amen. <laughs> the test was, who do you say that I am? And I think Pat has said, due to the divine revelation <laughs> of the redemptive power of Christ, he is the Son of God. Amen. Say it with me. She overcomes by the blood of the Lamb and the word of her testimony. <laughs> you know, I, there's so many different issues, and some of you are sitting out there and saying, man, I, I just want to tell my story. Some of you are in the midst of some things that's going on right now, and, and the enemy's coming hard after you, and he's trying to make you think, just like what Napoleon shared so awesomely, that it, it really God's not caring or not aware of it. Some of you out there, you have a loved one that's in prison. I'm just looking around right now. I'm trying to see some of you have, are, are victims of, of divorce. You say victim. Wasn't it their fault? Well, you know that not everything that happens in your life is your fault. <laughs> Was there mistakes that have been made? Absolutely. There's some people here and, and whom also are experiencing homelessness, hunger, Abuse, yep, that's right. All kinds of things that are going on in our lives. But as we go through the test, do we have a revelation? Do we have a vision of who he is to you? Because that's what's going to make a difference. Dan McKinnon, um, many of you know, been here, part of the church for a good many of years. And um, Dan is a, is a, I call him an entrepreneur. He's a, a thinker out outside of the box. And, and, uh, but things weren't always easy for Dan by any means. And uh, speaking with his wife and knowing them on a personal level, there, there were some things that, uh, that, that happened in their life that truly tested them. And, uh, Dan, I'd just like you to talk to us from the business sense and, and some of the business setback that you had and give us a little backdrop of who Christ is to you now. When you asked me to uh, speak, uh, I tried to reflect back on some of the things that have uh, guided my life. And probably the first thing is my dad bought a, a business when I was five. So the entrepreneurship maybe came from, from that. The other thing was uh, when we got married, I said to Shar, my dream would be to work with my children. So at a very early age, that was a, a very strong dream. The other thing that kind of formed my life was um, 50 years ago when this wasn't all that common, uh, Shar and I became pregnant in our senior year of high school and we were actually married in February. Mm. And we, of course, graduated in June. And a, a chip came on my shoulder and the chip was, I'll show them. When I went in business when I was 26, I said, I'll show them. Because there was a sense that we weren't going to make it. These young kids weren't going to make it. They made big mistakes, but I'm going to show them. So over the course of 12 years, uh, we worked very hard, built up a company from scratch. It was a one-man show that started, and 12 years later, we had uh, 35 employees. We had a couple facilities in Muskegon. We had a distribution facility in Flint. Uh, had our dream home. With by this time we had seven children, so um, 
we lived on a lake, an inland lake. We had the boats and the toys, and the kids learned how to ski, and life was great, but life wasn't great. We were building that business on quicksand and making decisions that weren't good decisions. And a couple of things that I, I came to reflect on is we can hear but not listen. And I found that out through the failure of my company. And the other thing I learned is that we always don't learn from success, that sometimes it requires failure to really learn. So at the end of 12 years after building this company, having this wonderful house, we lost it all. So lost it all that they repossessed the house. Uh, of course, all the vehicles that we owned were part of the company, company vehicles. So we had no transportation. And my father-in-law said, uh, Dan, you're going to have to get a job. So he went out and leased me a car. So that was kind of the, our story of failure. So in follow-up to that, Dan, you, um, you asked me, so you know, what about in the now? The test that was there, what kept you going? I mean, as far as there, I mean, what, 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 what challenged your faith from that point in time? Did you ever at any point in time wonder if he was the one or sh what, should there be another? <laughs> did, you, did you have a John the Baptist mentality? I mean, who did you say he was? Was you convinced of who he was all along? Was this anything to do with God or was this all to do with you? Well, it was very confusing. Um, I remember one year uh, we asked Ken Enders to come and do Bible studies at our place of employment. So we'd gather the guys around and Ken would come in and, and lead a Bible study. Uh, we created a logo for our business, and it had the dove, in fact, the same dove that we had here at, at church. So we thought we were doing the right things, that we were trying to serve God and, and giving and living a life that was above reproach, but it wasn't. You know, we, we were making mistakes. So during the failure, I had a lot of questions. You know, Lord, where are you? You know, I didn't fail because I had a cocaine habit or because I was gambling or misusing funds. It was, I failed because of ignorance of a, a young man that started a business that had, didn't have the fundamental skills to really operate a business. So I questioned him. In that failure, we ended up, um, in fact, Ken counseled me and he said, Dan, you may need a, a fresh start. So in that fresh start, we went to uh, Wisconsin and we lived in Wisconsin for about a year. I worked for someone else there. Then I came back to Michigan after that and, and worked. So about two years, I worked for other people before starting another company. But during that two-year period, it was a time of really reflection and learning. And that concept of we listen, but we don't hear, that became rhema in my life. God planted in me some principles that if you're going to do it again, you've got to do it this way. I think that, Dan, you answered the question, who do you say that he is? Is he the Son of God, Christ? And uh, by the blood of the Lamb, right, and the word of his testimony, we overcome. I want to show, you, show appreciation to these people. Can you do that for me as, as they just come and share? Thank you so much. You can go back to your seats if you want now. Thank you so much. You know, when I was talking with the team about how we were going to roll this out and 
help everybody to get a picture of what is it we're trying to say. We're talking about vision. It ought to create a picture within your minds with regards to what we can be and what we can accomplish and what we can do. There are people in this room who are the victims of abuse. And you're wondering, where was God? Where is God now? You might be experiencing a financial setback, and you're just like, I think that I'm doing everything right, and, and it's, it just isn't coming out the way in which I thought. You may, may feel like what, what, what Napoleon said, and I can remember him, him saying to me, as other people have said to me in the past, you know, and, and this is in summary, you know, Pastor, I, re- I really appreciate you, and you're a really okay kind of guy, but I just got no room in my life for your God. And my response to them, all of them, was that's okay. My love, my relationship for you is not conditional upon what you understand about God right now. And I have a vision. I have a dream that our church, that the people who are sitting here right now who are going to gather together with us on a regular basis can be those people as they have been for years and even at an accelerated rate, that we can meander ourselves into position, into ways to get involved in people's lives, not to intrude, but to just confirm, to be able to say over and over again, you do not have to walk this way alone. And we've made mistakes. I sat here and listened to some of these these stories and such and thought, my goodness, I'm so glad that other people were there because I didn't feel like I was there for that person as they were going through some of this stuff. You ever feel that way? Anyone ever feel any guilt before? This isn't about that, but this is about you realizing the opportunities that the Lord is placing in front of us. And every single one of us will only be as successful as we can be when we come to the realization of who he is to us. And you can bring inspiration to your spouse and to your kids and to the church and to your workmate and to other people. And, and the life that you live could, and your response to the tests that you're going through can be. And they overcome because of the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. 